The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, guys. It's Vaughn Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. Another happy Monday to you guys. And I hope you all had a great Easter. You know, me, I mean... Easter for me pretty much was... Just chilling. I mean... That's really holidays really are. I mean... We did, uh, we did do all the fun stuff, like, uh, you know, coloring eggs. Of course, we did the Easter egg hunt, and, you know, we got three kids. One who's just, he's really young, he's two, and he's just trying to figure out what the hell's going on, but he's picking up eggs, put them in his basket, he's just walking around slowly. Then I got the oldest one, who's eight or nine, who's really quick, and he's just grabbing all the eggs. And of course, I got the kid in the middle, who's five. She'll be six in two weeks. She's uh, screaming because the oldest kid's getting all the eggs. And I have to tell the oldest kid, hey, uh, try and pass up some eggs. I mean, really, I mean, because, you know, you put some money in the eggs. Or you put some chocolate in them. In my case, I put chocolate, you know, in a few of them. And when it's hot outside, well, that stuff melts. And, of course, my two-year-old had had the stuff all over him. On top of all the markers he was uh, coloring himself with. But anyways, it was a pretty... Other than that, it was, wasn't bad of an Easter. I mean, my daughter has a birthday coming up next week next week and uh so of course Disney on Ice is here or it's coming next week so she loves that Moana and Frozen stuff so I got her tickets to Disney on Ice and I got her good seats and it's funny because you know the tax return came I want to pay off my bill a good bit of bills and or just not right bills just debt I wanted to eliminate a lot of it although most of it's going to be gone after you know end of this year at least it's on track to be according to payments but I was hoping to have an opportunity to get it killed right then and there but of course yeah it's spring break and I got birthdays coming up two, two kids birthdays the Houston Rodeo, of course, was another factor. That's money in itself. And then, Disney on Ice. Yeah, that happens pretty much every tax season. That's when all the big things come out, and then 
once you get your refund, and of course all the big things happen, and of course you gotta do them. Uh, part of adulting. Anyways, enough of the enough about that crap. Jeff Capel has press conference on Thursday and knocked out of the ballpark. I guess if we're going to compare press conferences between Stallings and Capel, I mean, there was, I guess, uh, you know, Panther Lair had a thing on, um, I guess, Peak was ranking the press conferences and comparing them. Obviously, Capel hit this one out of the park, which he had to at this point. I mean, he's a great speaker. Which is what you have to be. Even as a coach, you got to be able to articulate things. And part of coaching is also politicking. And and that's the thing about politicians themselves. They got to be great speakers because that's how you get your voters and that's how you get your followers. Because if you're not a good public speaker, then, well, yeah. I mean, George Bush was a nice... George W. Bush was a nice guy. As people say. But, he, you know, one thing I noticed about him is he wasn't all that great of a public speaker. At times. Of course, our last president, Barack Obama, was really good. And in some ways, you can say Trump is uh, good. Obviously, he speaks his mind. But he also, like a politician, you, you got to sell your people on things. And of course, he sold them on a bunch of stuff. Which we probably won't get into too much. Because, yeah. And he, you know, of course, won the White House. Well, he, you know, he pretty much killed the Republicans in the primary. But, you know, I think he'd go through with the, the, the you know, presidential nomination at all. I just thought maybe for him it was, it was for, to brag, but he, he, I think at one point he got so deep that he had, just, he had to just go with it. But, uh, yeah, anyways, Cable did pretty well. I mean, having Dick Grote, Dick Grote in the crowd was probably a plus, too, because Grote's a Duke guy, so he got to point him in the crowd and say, you know, it's good to see him here and blah, blah, blah. It was good, you know, because, of course, they had, you know, Dick Grote down there, and they honored him at halftime at the Duke game earlier this year. And of course, I saw some players. The players were in attendance too. I saw. And I'm hoping most of them come back. Well, two of them, you know, are confirmed of coming back, and hopefully more do. Although I think probably, I guess Marcus Carr supposedly may stay. I think Parker Stewart's gone because his uh, dad released a statement about it all, and pretty much he's gone. I don't see him come back to pit. 
And I think he's got a lot more interest from a lot of schools that he really he has a he has a pick of where he wants to go now. I mean, he had a really good freshman year, and I pretty much knew he was shopping around the moment he was on his Twitter account posting his highlight videos. I mean, some players do that, but I mean, just the timing of it, it seemed like he was already advertising himself. But we'll see what the coach does. We'll see how he you know, assembles the staff. And just go from there. I mean, that's all you can really do at this point. I mean, for I mean, as far as press conferences go, you know, Kevin Stallings really never had a chance at his press conference because, well, Scott Barnes had to do his first, and then of course, uh, and he got grilled basically on the uh, the process of selecting the coach. And I guess he got a little irritated and basically said, oh, you know, this is this is the guy who's leading our ship, and if nobody, you know, wants likes him, then they're not in the right place. So Barnes was already feeling the heat, and of course, when he heard what happened after the press, you know, the press conference with uh, Stallings' wife and him, well, there you go. Basically, Stallings was going to have to really have a much better speech than Jeff Capel to actually win anybody over. And he didn't. And, of course, he, he um, as the season went on and then, as, you know, the two years went on, he really didn't uh, do himself any favors. And really, his personality just really was, I mean, he really was a right fit for the pit at all. His personality just wasn't right for this, this school at all. Maybe what he did worked at Vanderbilt, but I guess they got tiring after a while, and they parted ways with him. And of course, we ended up with we ended up with him on our lap. But, you know, thanks to Scott Barnes, of course. And Barnes knew he was toast at that point, so he jumped ship months later. And that's that. But uh, Heather Light did a hell of a job. And, of course, she, she said after Hurley, this was our, her next call. And and I'm guessing Miller was interested in the job. And I guess Boosters tried to get him an interview at least. But Pitt decided not to go that route. And it was the right route to go because Sean Miller has too much baggage right now. And maybe he had, maybe he's not guilty of what he's doing, but he just got too much tied to him right now, and it just isn't good. And it's not like Sean Miller didn't have opportunities to come here. He had plenty of them, it just didn't work out. He didn't want it. But anyway, it's enough rambling about all that. Uh, March Madness concludes tonight. We got Villanova in um, Michigan. So we got two really, really good games.
are two really, really good teams, I should say, not games. I know it's Monday when I start saying that stuff, but... You got Villanova, who's obviously been great all year. And you got Michigan, who's just hot, just got hot at the right time. So, as we look at the games from the weekend... Loyola Chicago led at halftime, but then Michigan made adjustments. And they started playing, they started, they got more physical and they started playing inside. And they made Loyola Chicago look like the uh, the mid-major 11, 11 seed team that we, you know, they were all used to seeing, basically. You know, Loyola Chicago looked a lot different. In that, yeah, they just worked up. They weren't able to score, and by the time they were able to get anything together, the game was pretty much over. And uh, I guess the big top, the big topic, obviously, was Sister Jean and. And I did think it was getting kind of out of hand with the whole with the media. I guess all wanting to talk to her when they showed the comparisons of the rooms, where her room was full, her players' room was empty. It was media room was empty, pretty much. And you know, it's not really Sister Jean's fault. I mean, she's ninety-seven years old, and she got to see her team. Do something amazing. Although I wouldn't consider her a true fan because true fans have at least one delusional bracket poll where a team wins it all. We've done it. During the uh, Jamie Dixon years, when Pitt was really good, even when Howell was there, I always had at least one bracket where Pitt won it all. Because you just never knew. I did that for a while, and then, uh, of course, 2010-2011, I actually had, I think I actually had them losing the Butler in the second round. I just got realistic about it and said, yeah, if there's one game they're going to they're gonna blow, it's probably this one. And they did. So, you know, it's not her fault. She's a big, she was a big story, and of course, the media, when they see something hot, they jump on it. One thing you can say is it takes pressure off the players because they're focusing on her, but... Eh. But, um... Michigan, obviously... I figured the game would be even, even for most of it, but um, towards the end, Michigan imposed her will, and... Louis Chicago were just, they looked flustered. They didn't know what to do. They were just turning the ball over. I saw some bad passes. It was like they just ran out of options towards the end. But they had a memorable run. They were the story of the of the year, I guess you can say. You had that with at least one tournament. There's always going to be that Cinderella story, and that was that was one of them, and it was a great story. 
I mean, overall, it's been a great tournament. And of course, I really didn't watch much of Villanova Kansas because I knew the, I knew the outcome of that game already. I mean, I think we all knew what that what was going to happen there. Duke and Kansas pretty Duke and Kansas pretty much were squaring off that that, that day to see who's going to get uh, bombed by the Villanova. Kansas didn't ever try to beat Duke, but Duke wasn't really that good to begin with. I mean, they were good, but they weren't Villanova good. And I guess the golden thing for uh, Kansas was they they um, Duke put the ball in the hands of Grayson Allen, and well, you saw what happened. The why they decided to put the ball in his hands escapes me, one by one. But uh, yeah, it was a slaughter and. As far as tonight's game, obviously it, Villanova is your, going to be your obvious winner of this. You know, it depends on the I mean, it depends on the flow of the game and the score. I mean, if it's if it's going to be one of those high scoring games, it's going to be Villanova that's going to you know outgun Michigan. Michigan's going to have to play defense. Get the ball inside because that's what was keeping uh, Louis Chicago in the, in the game. Was they kept sh- early on? They kept shooting threes and they weren't falling. And you know, Michigan tried the logical thing, which was, oh, maybe we should go inside and sh- go for two points. Oh, there we go. Yep. Rather than just chucking the ball down, you know, chucking the ball every time you come down the court. But that's what happens when you watch the Golden State Warriors too much. But, I mean, that's Bayline's teams. Then again, you know, Bayline's teams love to shoot threes. We saw that West Virginia as well. They love to, they love to gun it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm still going Villanova, though. I mean, if Michigan's going to win, it's going to have to be a not so much a low-scoring game, but maybe a game that's in the 60s, early 70s. For both teams, they're just got the hope that Villanova has a bad shooting night. Basically, that's really their only chance. So, some other tidbits from over the weekend. Well, April Fools' was yesterday, and of course, we saw um, we saw Aaron Donald, I guess, doing some drills with some knives. Which was really kind of cool, but you know, you know, if anyone's got practice with live weapons, you know, his drills, it's going to be Aaron Donald. He's the only guy that we know would do something like this and pull it off. Although the knife, he said the knives weren't real, so yeah, it, it was April Fools. But it was funny though to watch him do it. It was him and two other athletes, and of course. It was done. It was recorded at the Pitt Complex, which was awesome. So he's at Pitt doing this stuff. So there you go right there. It's a shame we couldn't get a better angle of the, uh, you know, of the that whole thing on the top of Pitt's uh, wall where it's all the Pitt greats. It would have been cool if they at least got better. Ah, oh, come on, shoot. I went right through the light. 
Yeah. I just went through a red light. That sucked. Oh well. The sad part is I ain't have my phone in my hands. It's on the it's on the freaking uh It's on the chair. <laughs> I was reaching for my coffee, I looked up and yep. Oh Lord. Well just don't get pulled over. But anyways, he'd be the only one that would um, be able to pull it off. Now, last thing we have is Levy and Bell. And of course, Levy and obviously wasn't too pleased or has been too pleased with his uh, contract situation. And of course, he made a little tweet about being a, being a, 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 being a hero where in a city makes you have to be a villain. And really with this, it's more like somebody, well, it could be a lot of things. It's cryptic. I don't, nobody really, I don't really think that Levin Bell is a villain at all. I mean, to be a villain, you got to do villainous things. And he really hasn't done anything villainous. I mean, what's made him to be a bad guy? And of course... Wanting more money, demanding more money, isn't uh, doesn't make you a villain. Maybe it makes you a disgruntled worker because you should be. If you feel you should be getting paid more, but it doesn't make you like a villain. You're just you know obviously you feel you you want you should get paid more. That's it. I mean, you're not a you know doesn't make you evil. At plenty of jobs, people want paid more. They want to make more money. That's just part of the business. I mean, that's how it is. People feel they're really good at what they do. They have a lot to offer. And they feel, you know, they're not getting a return back of what they're, of, of the work they're uh, doing. And that's probably the case of Levian Bell. I guess all the work he's done, he feels he... It's not getting the returning one he, he desires. But the problem with him is to get that type of money you got, you have to be the man in the offense. I mean, he's put good stats, but he's in an offense right now where the man is Ben Roethlisberger, and of course the men, of course, are guys like Antonio Brown and Martavius Bryant and J.J. Schuster. So that passing game is what people look at. They don't look at you know, the running game as much. So, it's just one of those things where he's, you know, maybe with the offensive line they have, it's that's been improving. Steelers feel maybe that, you know, what they're giving them is enough and they're giving them 
I guess I think the ballpark was 17 million. That's a lot for running back. My thing is, if you want that, t- if you want really big money, the what he's what he's asking for. I mean, that's like Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith type money. Actually, more Barry Sanders because Emma had a really good offensive line to block for him. Whereas Barry pretty much had the juke loving guys out just to get uh, just to get anywhere. So I don't think um, Levian Bell's a villain. If anything, he's probably if, he's, if anything he's probably playing his exit strategy to make it easier for him to leave and for fans. Easier for fans to want make it want him to leave. You know, that's what some athletes do. Or maybe he's not feeling the love, and of course the fans are gonna go, oh, Levian, you're the hero. We love you. You're no, you're no, you're no villain to us. I mean, he's not a villain. I mean, he's not evil at all. He's just a guy who um once paid more money, that's all. So, and of course, you know, people are going to, you know, if you're an athlete making millions of dollars, people are going to complain that you want paid more. Well, some of them are, you know, are commuting every day to their jobs and and some such. Yeah, of course, they're going to complain. But, well, guys, I'm done rambling. Hell in a pit. Talk to you later.